College basketball fans, welcome back to the College Ball Show. He's Marshall, I'm Chris, and we're here to talk some NCAA basketball. And, man, what a tournament it has been. We were just talking before we hit record. And, you know, throughout the year, we were talking, you know, 8, 10, maybe 12 teams have a legit chance to win the championship this year. It, it just felt that way. We, we have, you know, like many other people, kind of, you know, re- thought it resembled what 2020, the tournament going into that, where it felt wide open. Well, it was even more wide open than we thought. Because if you go to even 12 teams, that's all the three seeds. And as we know, there's not a one, two, or three for the first time since uh, 1979 when they expanded this bitch. Um that we've gotten it. I mean, we only have one four seed, two five seeds, and a nine seed. So this has just been an extraordinarily fun um, tournament to watch. A lot of tight games down the stretch. We're obviously going to break down the games in a nutshell from Thursday to Sunday. A lot of tight finishes. You know, numerous teams down, some of them by double digits. Coming back, making it a game, taking the game over. Um, Miami, Texas, we were just talking about that game before we hit record. But, man, we are going to break it all down and then preview and predict not just the, the two Final Four games, but, of course, the national title game, what we think it'll be anyway. If this is your first time listening to the College Ball Show, welcome. It streams live right here on blogtalkradio.com forward slash rope radio however you don't have to go to blog talk and rope and download the show directly there you can find this here college ball show under the rope radio podcast on apple podcast amazon music iHeartRadio, google podcast player fm tune in in a host of other places like spricker and stitcher uh while you're at it why don't you head on over to the grueling and sports news 24 and one more thing get your tv together Without the hassle of cable, direct TV stream. Stream the best entertainment sports, entertainment and sports, starting with 75 live channels. And for a limited time, save $120 over the first year when you get any package and buy the direct TV streaming device. No annual contract, no hidden fees. Plus, learn how to get premier channels. Sorry, premium. Eh, premier, the same difference, right? Premium channels, including the first three months. With qualifying packages. Sign up today, direct TV stream. Okay. So gonna go ahead and bring in the co host Marshall. Um another thing we were talking about, Marshall, is we are now guaranteed to get a non mid major uh in you know, in the big dance, no matter what, in the in the championship game, just how it's set up. Two power conferences going at it and two non-power conferences going on. So that's kind of a cool little thing. But how are you doing today, my friend? I'm good, man. Um, I, I think this has been a very fun tournament. Like, from the start of when the ball tipped uh, two, Thursday, or, uh, two Thursdays ago till now, like, I can live with this. And, and I'm, I'm a diehard Tar Heels fan. Like, obviously, I wish my team had made the tournament. but You I, had I to bring it up. You had In the first second, you had to bring up the Tar They're not in the tournament, for Christ's sake. <laughs> so, uh, with them being out, I, I, I'm ha- I, I think this has just been a, a fun tournament. I think we've had, and I know you always kind of lose track of, of, of games as years go by. But I think from top to bottom, even this past weekend, was one of the best second weekends I can call in a long time because you really had a lot of good games. You normally have like one or two, like, okay, like, hey, that was a solid game. From Thursday to this past Sunday, there was not a bad day of basketball. Like, we got spoiled. And with it was teams that were like some blue blood teams, and some teams are like, okay, they're on a Cinderella mission, and some are still on the Cinderella mission. Um, so, I think it's been a, a very fun tournament, and it's just funny because we always go with uh, ESPN as we kind of go throughout our show, and one of the headlines is Seth Greenberg says, unconventional Final Four is okay for one year. Dude, if, if we're going to get this every year, hey, maybe the Blue Bloods got to do a better job of playing better, 
But, I mean, this is – like, you can't fake it in this tournament, Chris. Like, FAU, I don't if, – if we have to see an FAU-type team every year make it, cool. Because that means they had to play their best ball for four games in a row. So I know we are used to, like, oh, it's the Kentucky, Carolina, Duke, Gonzaga. Like, there, there is some teams you're used to seeing, kind of like in college football. But, in, I mean – there, there's no fraudulent way. Like if, if, if since the NIL transfer portal all that stuff has made the game more open, I'm all for it. I think this has been a fun tournament. We're going to get breaking down to it very shortly. But I like the fact that there's different teams in the tournament. Again, if you want to be a better team, then you know, every every one of the blue bloods got knocked out by an underdog this year. So you got to take care of business in your own house. Well, and some of the blue bloods weren't even favored to win the game, too. True. Um, but, yeah, if we could get this every year where North Carolina doesn't make the tournament, dude, that would be – I'm. you know what? I'm in agreement up here. I'm right there <laughs> oh with God. you, dude. You know, both <laughs> Gophers in North Carolina didn't make it. I, I'm right there with you, man, because that would be a great thing for college basketball. And uh, – no, I'm just kidding. Um, no, but you're right. It is. I'm not going to sit here and – I mean, the whole one to two games stretch thing, I think you were talking about like a day, a full day, because we've had plenty of, you know, second weekends where there's more than one or two good games. But I think sure. your overall point was, uh, you know, a full day of mostly good games and some of them just phenomenal and great and all that. and Plenty of drama. And um, I mean, it, it was it, it, it's been a really fun game. And you're right. The second weekend. Because of the the upsets and the Cinderella stories, there are times where it's just a blowout. Like, we got a blowout where I didn't think we'd get blowouts this year, whereas sometimes you're like, all right, dude, we had four or five days to scout you. You're going to get beat cleanly here. Nice, you know, shake your hand, nice moving on. Thanks, Princeton. Thanks for showing up or whoever else. You know what I mean? So you're right that in that sense. There, there, there was a, you know, there wasn't really a bad day per se. And let's start. On Thursday, and you could make an argument: two of these games were the best games of the tournament, not just of the the, the four days. Gonzaga and Ukula, obviously UConn, you know, was in blowout mode this last week in back-to-back blowout games. That Tennessee Florida Atlantic game was a really good game. Not trying to take anything away from that, but the K State Michigan State back and forth we go. That point guard was ridiculous. I thought he got hurt. It looked like he got hurt. Didn't look all that healthy. Then it started, you know, he started getting his group back, went off for a lot of points and a lot of assists. And then, like I said, Ukula, feeling like, you know, obviously in the first half they looked great, 46 to 33. The funny thing is it was 46 to 30 in the second half, and that that three points meant a lot. But, you know, all the way up until maybe four or five minutes into the second half when Gonzaga started pushing it and got the game, you know, close. And, and then UCLA kind of pushed it out a little bit. I'm not saying 18 points or anything like that, but they, they was getting a little comfortable. Like, all right, you know, nice run. We're back, though. Everything's good. I, I still felt down the stretch, um, you know, maybe 15 minutes and down, that they were going to be able to pull this off. But I, I did think that getting uh, it narrowed down really helped them early in that game. Um, in the second half, I mean, I'm looking at it, six minutes in, it's 55 to 54. Um, and then, like I said, they pushed it a little bit, and then they kind of come back. And, I mean, a great game down the stretch. Um, and, you know, UCLA hitting that freaking shot. With not a whole lot left, um, it it did kind of feel like, all right, dude, you know, that I think they got him. You know what I mean? Um, it was 13 seconds left, up by one, and um, <laughs> you know, obviously they missed some free throws there, but there wasn't much time on it. But that uh, Strother or whatever, he hit that three point shot, making it 78-76. That was a damn good game, considering the first maybe 25 minutes, 23 minutes, was pretty dominant basketball by UCLA. Yeah, and what really surprised me, Chris, was, and you normally never hear a coach say this, but Cronin, the head coach for UCLA, like going into the halftime interview, said, man, like 
my team is so worn down and beat down. We're going to have to slow down the game in the second half. And it's like, by you doing that, you really did kind of let them back in. Because that UCLA, I mean, you're up, you've scored 46 points in the first half, and you're up by 13. And then your coach tells the sideline reporter that, hey, like, man, we're, we're beat up, we're tired, we're injured, we're going to have to slow it down. And that kind of was a detrimental cause to them. And it just, it's like UCLA may have been the best team in this tournament. They just had the injury bug did them in. Um, but to give Gonzaga credit, because, hey, if they want to slow it down, cool. Now we're going to score 46 on y'all. Um, Timmy just went off. <laughs> he did. He went off and obviously didn't help that UCLA had was out their best defender. Their center was banged up. Like um, Timmy went off in the second half. They started making some shots. Uh, it was it, it was a game of runs. And even with, like, uh, under two minutes to go, Gonzaga's up nine. You're thinking, okay, this game is over. I actually turned off for a second on my – because I was getting ready to go to bed. And I, I checked my phone one more time. I'm like, wait, hold on. You were just down nine. Now you're only down three. And then UCLA ties the game. And then Gonzaga decides to do a high pick and roll. And dude pulls up from like 38 feet and busts a three. Like, there's, I mean, you, you can't blame UCLA's defense to go under a screen because I guarantee UCLA did not plan on Gonzaga hitting a shot from like 36, 38 feet out for a win. Like, you can tell when the dude hit it and pulled it, he felt confident. And obviously, by the shot, it went in. But you can't fault the defense. Like, I, we'll, we'll get to ripping Creighton here in a little bit down the show because their defense yesterday and some questionable calls. But that one was like, dude, you just you got to tip the cap. Like, I, I thought that the defense was fine on play. But, hey, uh, Gonzaga stepped up. They hit a big shot. Now their, their tournament was soon to be over the following game. But, hey, credit to them. And, again, UCLA, uh, you know, a lot of years teams have that, man, this was our year. The injury bug gets you. Yeah, they, they 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 easily could. They probably arguably were the best team this year in basketball, but injuries got to them. That is sports. That does happen. happen. Uh, but man, that, that's you know, one, one and done. You know, that that's just one that's got to sting you if you're a Bruins fan because man, when fully loaded, your team was legit. It's just you couldn't get fully loaded at the time of the year when it mattered. And friggin' Zaga, that was what their fifth Elite Eight in eight years. Like, they do not have a, a national title, but Chris, I mean, a team from Spokane, Washington, to go to the Elite Eight five out of eight years in a row, that, that's pretty freaking impressive. Like you said, why not join a bigger conference and just get this team more exposure and get a little more tested come regular season time? Yeah, I think it's, I think it, it is, you know, all the stuff they've done since like 99 has been impressive, but, um, you know, at some point, though, you know, we do have to be like, okay, so what's the problem then? You guys are clearly True. recruiting at a high level. Um, you know, the last two years, we've given a lot of shit to the Big Ten, right? We've been on them. True. We've yep. been on them. Why? Because they haven't won a national championship. Now, obviously, there's more teams in the Big Ten than just one Gonzaga, but I can't say you're some kind of uh, blue blood until you win a championship. Um, and yep. that goes to – you know, that competitive nature. Now, I'm not saying, oh, man, if they're in the Big Ten or Big 12 this year, Big Ten or whatever, um, they wouldn't have got their ass kicked by UConn. I'm not saying that. But, yeah, it's very impressive for five out of those eight years. Uh, they generally challenge themselves in the non-conference. Their conference allows them to get a better seed. Um, that That's true, you know. Yeah. And, and when you get a better seed, you got a better opportunity to go on. Um, those are facts too. So I, I give them a lot of credit. And hey, a year ago, right around this time, or actually maybe it wasn't a year ago, but they've been in talks with the Big 12 of just moving there into the conference as a basketball, you know, program. Not not their whole program. Obviously, Gonzaga yeah. football ain't gonna do shit, right? But I'm sure their volleyball team's good. I don't even know. I'm just guessing. Um, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, they deserve a lot of credit. And, and like I said, when they when that game was done, and I was biased to Ukla, but I was like, damn, dude, they may win the chip because every team has adversity that wins it. And I thought, okay, this is their adversity right here. This is their adversity game where the, it doesn't look good for them for a while. It, 
even at the end when they overtook the lead, like you said, and all of a sudden, you know, with nine seconds left, they got to hit a shot. And, of course, they did. And they moved the ball around really well to get it. But, yeah, man, that, that, was, that was one of the best games. And you could also make the argument this may have been a better game, K-State versus Michigan State. MSU, KSU, um, it, it was fun, man. And a credit to Michigan State for going this deep. Uh, credit for them to force overtime because they had to grind just to get to overtime. Um, but I, and, and their point guard was damn good, got to the line a whole lot. You know, they play with a three-guard system. Um, but, man, you've got, I mean, Noel, 20 points. 19 assists. Now, this was a 45-minute game, not a 40-minute game, right? So, But 19 freaking assists, and then you follow it up. We'll talk about his next game. They got points off the bench. Um, he just delivered, whether it was to his teammate or making a big bucket. But this was a great game, man. A lot of drama, and it looked like he was going to be hurt, like badly. And then it's like, okay, he's back. Okay, we're good. Yeah, he kind of rolled his ankle and just kind of kept running. And sometimes the best thing to do when you sprain your ankle and it's not severely bad is to keep playing on it because if you go sit down at the bench. Yeah, or halftime or, or, can do bad too, right? If you do it in the first, you, you sit at halftime and all of a sudden you're done. Yeah, uh, but he, he kept moving, kept moving. And, hey, to give him credit, you know, I was kind of tough on him just because he he took shots all year when I watched him play. It's like, dude, you, you think you're Curry. And, I mean, he would pull from anywhere and do these crazy passes. But for this past weekend, all of those crazy plays, I mean, he did have a couple of maybe turnovers he probably regrets against the FAU game especially, but he made a ton of plays and hit a ton of huge shots. Like, he, it's kind of, he's one of those guys that, you know, he might be hot one night, cold another, but there was not much cold. That dude had a, like you said, an incredible stat line and – Keontae Johnson, who's the, his uh, former Florida teammate now with K-State, he played all 45 minutes. Like, that dude, 45 right. minutes, 10 of 18, 22 points. Noel was 7, 18, 20 points, 19 assists. Like, and he had five boards. I mean, and only two turnovers. Like, dude, those guys delivered. Because in my head, I thought going to that game, I'm like, you know what, from when I've seen both teams play at their best, I think K-State's a better team, but Sparty can shoot the ball pretty well. That was just the Marshall Roar insight. And Sparty did shoot the ball pretty well. They were 18 of 22 on the free throw line, which is not bad at all for March. And they were 13 of 25 on threes. Okay, and you shot 49% for the game. So, hey, Sparty brought their A game. It's just that Noel, that dude just, he literally put his team on his shoulders. And it was, it was cool just because it's a Madison Square Garden game. He's a New York kid. Like, all the storylines there, Chris, made for a fun game. And, hey, Sparty, hats off to you for Izzo. You made it the furthest of all teams in the Big Ten this year. If you would have told me when we were picking our brackets that Izzo's going to go the deepest in the, out of the Big Ten, it would have been completely shocking because that's his ammo in March. But I wouldn't have put there, money on there, it, though. Yeah, there were much higherly seeded or better seeded ranked teams out of the Big Ten. Not to mention a, a one seed it's as well. Team. So, yeah. Right. yeah. <clears throat> but they, they shot the ball well. They got hot, and they, I mean, that was a, gr- a great a great run for Michigan State because I don't I don't think many Sparty fans thought they would do this. And yeah, for K State, dude, what a turnaround, Chris. They were predicted to finish last in the Big Twelve this year. You're predicted to finish last in your conference, and you made the Elite Eight. Like that's not a bad year. At all. So hats off to Noel. Noel had a – his this last weekend was great, but against Sparty, he literally carried that team. And, yeah, if you have 19 assists in a game, even if it is 43 minutes, like, dude, you you, you balled your butt off. Like, you, you played a hell of a game. So uh, credits K-State. And, hey, I guarantee that coach got better recruiting now. Things are looking up. You know, you're able to beat Kansas. Like, they're, they're kind of back on the map this year. Because, really, Chris, for the past 10 years, K-State was always kind of like a bubble, mid-tier Big 12 team. Maybe now they found a little bit of a rhythm, and they're going to be more of a, a prominent threat. Yeah, I mean, they got a, a you know a coach that the, the players obviously respond to, and 
man, they were close to making the Final Four. Uh, imagine K-State, you know, doing what they did in football, you know, which had a damn good, you know, if you look at their program right now, they're in great shape, no doubt about it, for football and basketball. And that does mean something with this new Big 12 and what it's going to look like. Basketball, they're going to be good because I do think they're going to add Gonzaga. And then no matter what, they're going to add Houston. So um, it, it's uh, it's it's big for them. It's definitely big for them. Uh, real quick, that Tennessee, um, Florida Atlantic, um, you know, right around like with like maybe let's see, seven eight minutes to go, they got a lead, forty nine forty one, made it fifty one to forty one, um, and never really gave up from there. I mean, they, they never gave up the lead. It never got super close. Um, I, you know, it was a tight game, tit for tat, and then once they got that little cushion. Unlike some of these other teams that we've been talking about, they closed the show down uh, in fashion. This Florida Atlantic second half is a damn good team. And they play quick. They know they're going to give up some runs, and they're going to go on runs too. This team is just playing with a ton of swagger. But you're 34-3 and on the year. Like, the ESPN doesn't cover you, but, I mean, this team is not a joke. Like, sometimes, yeah, okay, this team had, like, they only lost four or five games this year because they were, like, in a a no-name conference. Well, this team is not fraudulent. There's no joke about them being the Final Four. Like, this is just a good-ass team. If you watch them play, they run like crazy. They have their stud uh, in Davis, who can be their late-game closer. Uh, They jack up threes. They shoot the three-ball well. They're not the biggest team, but they're just scrappy. So, like, for them to make it, like knocking off Tennessee, that doesn't surprise me because if you watch them play against Michigan and other games, like Florida Atlantic plays really good defense, and so does Tennessee. But Florida Atlantic had better offensive pieces for that game. Um, like I, they were I'm 12 to 60 on free throws, which is not pretty, but you did enough. And you hit eight threes, but you did more than Tennessee because Tennessee only hit, well, they shot 33%. So this is a Tennessee team that previously had knocked off Duke, which was a hot team. So uh, it just I, I just got to tip the cap. Like, you know, they don't hear these stories, but you're, that team is loaded on defense. They play a fun offense, and you have a closer. Like, that's all you got. That's all you need. And um, speaking of the last game of that day, I remember I texted my buddies. I said, if UConn plays their best game and Arkansas plays their best game, UConn's game is going to whoop up Arkansas. Because, mind you, this Arkansas team, late February, was ranked 10th in the SEC. So they were kind of chilling near the bottom half of the division. Now, they made the tournament and must made the Sweet 16 again, but the UConn A game prevailed, Chris, and that was a, a beatdown. It, 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 it doesn't surprise me because this UConn team, they've been turning it into, speaking of a second-half team, they've been murdering people in the second half of this whole tournament. But UConn won 88-65. That game was done about 10 minutes in, and UConn did not take the put up the gas. There was no meltdown, no comeback. UConn just destroyed them, and that led us into Friday. That definitely still surprised me, though. Anytime you beat anybody by 20 or 30 points, uh, you know, um, in that realm, I think it's it's pretty damn surprising. Now, this is the one day, and it's funny, this is the one day where you could say, well, there was only really one good, good game, right? You could say that, right? You could say it just looking at it from a score point or a, a scoreboard, right? Now, Princeton Creighton was a actually entertaining game. There was moments, uh, you know, in the Xavier, Texas and whatnot. Um, Alabama, San Diego State, definitely a good game. But, you know, it wasn't like there's nobody with that one by one point. But with that said, you had two not only one, but two number one seeds going. So before it even hit the Elite Eight, all the number one seeds were out. So just that alone is crazy. And that's not taken away from it. Like I said, the San Diego State-Bama game was entertaining. It, it was a good game. Um, but uh, this is probably the lightest day, but that just shows you what this tournament was when on a light day that doesn't – didn't have as many competitive games per se, you still had so much drama from two number one seeds going out, 
and Princeton, you know, giving a good run, still as a 15th seed, uh, to Creighton. Creighton. Yes. Um, the fact that Houston and Bama both lost, like, in the earlier afternoon was surprising. Um, if, or, sorry, Friday night. Um, if you would have told me that one one of the one seeds was lost, I would have believed it. But watching both those games, though, I honestly felt that, like, hey, both of these teams are in trouble. Because San Diego State, they're athletic as hell. We know that. They're not the best offensive team. But when they took a lead against Bama at half, I had that flashback of the few losses Bama had this year, they, they came out flat and never got it back. And with the San Diego State team, if you if you give them a lead, their defense locks in, and it did. And uh, I know the second half got to be, be a bit of a track meet, but Bama never really made that game super, super tight. They did make a little run there earlier in the second half, but then San Diego State hit a couple threes, had that lead bounce back out again. So tip of the cap to San Diego State. The Mountain West was seen as kind of a – a laughing stock because of the the fact they had not won a game in the last three tournaments and were 0 and 9. But uh, San Diego State 71 64. Again, if you were watching that game in the second half, Bama never really made it super close. So uh, a tip of the cap because Bama was the number one rated team in this tournament. Um, all that Brandon Miller news kind of died away, but then he kind of just put on a show himself. Like I, I bet a lot of people had Bama winning their region. And then you don't even make it to the uh, game to win your region itself. That's that's a that's just a hell of a great win. And then Chris, uh, I know you're a Hurricane football fan, uh, but your Miami Hurricanes, like I don't think many people had Houston losing this game either. No, I, yeah, no, I mean not at all, not at all. They, they, I didn't think they'd win either, to be honest with you. But they're definitely not my squad. No, um, I, I don't, I don't. It's just. Uh, well, you say it every time now, so I'm just putting it in play. That's good. Um, yeah, I, did, I didn't think that that, you know, I didn't think they'd win either, especially the way they did. Like I said, I mean, the way both those teams won, that 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 sums it up. Any other items from this game or from the these, this this uh, Friday night? Uh, no, because Creighton outshot Princeton, which we expected. And Xavier, I love them this year. They just couldn't play good defense, and you had to play defense to beat Texas. So, you're right, those games were uh, uh, not the most entertaining, but obviously to see two one-seeds both kind of get shook was surprising. But, yes, <clears throat> as we moved to the weekend, that led us to Saturday, um, where the games, again, we had UConn do their thing. Um, once Drew Timmy picked up his fourth foul in the second half of that game, and they were they went down like eight or ten, and he had to go to the bench. That thing was a wrap. I mean, UConn looked good on offense in the first half, but Timmy got a couple of fouls. Yeah, he, he elbowed. He did kind of like a shove away elbow, kind of near the near a guy's shoulder and face. And Timmy went to the bench with about 15 minutes left in the game, and then the floodgates opened, and that thing was a wrap. Um, I remember I was watching it with my mom, and she's like, is that score right? Is it 70 to 46? And I was like, I had to double take myself because I was like, uh, yes, it is 70 to 46. UConn put their pedal down. Timmy's out. Gonzaga's run is over. Um, but right now for swag, UConn, I mean, that team is playing as good as anyone. I, mean, I, I, I was saying earlier in the show, UCLA might have been the best team in the country. UConn's playing like it right now. And that offense is just humming. And that team is playing with a lot of New York swag from, I guess, the, and some people, Chris, are mentioning the, the UConn run they had years ago. Maybe this is another one of those UConn runs. It could be easily a, a UConn Huskies, uh, tournament. I know they're not like, I don't know. Which if run like, are you talking about? The one where they're like an A seed or whatever? I think people are representing like the, yeah, the eight seed year where they kind of get just right. caught fire and had some swag. But dude, they, that was a beat down. Um, you normally don't see 28-point wins in the Elite Eight, but it was there. And then, my friend, we had another very good K-State-Florida Atlantic game uh, following the UConn beatdown. Yeah, we did. I mean, we definitely did. And it was back and forth, you know, a tight game at half. Like I said, definitely back and forth. Um, 
I kind of felt like there'd be these little minutes of like a, a five or seven point lead. And I thought, all right, well, let's see what they got. And boom, they battle back. And, you know, for a second there, I don't know. I, down the stretch, I kind of thought K-State was going to – I mean, it was like basically a tied game with like seven minutes left to go. And I thought that, all right, I, I like K-State to close this one. Um, but FAU getting to the free throw line, um, I mean, the, the biggest thing I think were the offensive rebounds in this game. I mean, that, that one – there was a couple of these games where you look at the offensive rebounds and it's it's pretty telling right there. Um, I am getting some off, but some noise here. If you want to hit mute, um, but I think that was like the telling part is the uh, the the rebounds. I mean, it was like fourteen to five offensive rebounds in favor of uh, Florida Atlantic. I mean that that's huge because uh, oh, from the field they shot well. They hit threes almost, you know, to 39%, got to the free throw line. I think also the free throw line was a big thing, 12 of 18. You know, that, that kind of does uh, – that kind of does what, – what balanced it out was the turnovers, though. Like, FAU played really well, but I think they had some kind of – yeah, 22 turnovers. Um, so that kept them in it. Obviously, you know, you can't completely uh, – you know, forget about Noel, who went for a 30-12 game to back it up, got to the line, uh, shot a lot of shots, 8 for 21, but was five, uh, 5 of 11 from 3, which is a great clip of the 9 of 12 overall. But um, to not be able to get, you know, enough quality shots down the stretch, even with the turnovers, um, is pretty crazy. Um, and both of them turned the ball over a lot, but um, – well, actually, yeah, it was only 12. Yeah, 22 to 12. So that between that and the free throws on the other side, um, it just was a fun game. And, and I did think watching this game live that Kansas State was going to find a way to do it. Overall, 44 to 22 on rebounds. Jesus Christ. But neither team got a double-digit lead this whole time. So this was one of those games where maybe it wasn't the best game but um, of the tournament, but it's right up there. That's for sure. Yeah, it, it it was, and you're right. I, there was a couple of moments where I thought FAU was going to lose. But like I said, this is a resilient team, and I think they play with swagger. But, again, you're 35-3. and three, Like, I'd probably have swagger, too, if I have only lost three games out of 38 this year. And you can tell their coach just lets them play. Like, a lot of teams, you can kind of tell, yeah, you know, what kind of MOs does this team have? Well, dude, it, it seems like almost everyone on FAU will shoot a three at some point. And there's no there's no hesitation. Besides, they they got the tall Russian center. He didn't pull a shot, but their starters three of seven, oh of four, one of three, four of six, one of one on the bench. Like it's hard. Sometimes it's hard to defend a team that hey they crashed the boards. They got a true big, and any guy can pull up and jack. And they, again, they play really solid defense because near the end of that game, where it was a pretty high scoring game, but near the end of the game, like from like I think the eight minute mark to like the three minute mark, K State went cold, and it wasn't because Noel was out. Yeah, it was fifteen to one out. run, fifteen to one run in, in a stretch of a, a little over five minutes, and they were up yeah, seventy two to sixty four. And it wasn't Keontae Johnson or Noel sitting on the bench pouting like that. They do that defense just locked it up, like. You've now, they've now beat Memphis, Tennessee. I mean, now be K State. Like this team, again, it's just no joke. Like I, I just, it's rare to see a team, Chris. I guess I'm. That's why I'm kind of stumbling for words here. But that they're so good defensively and offensively. And he, fairly Dickinson, FDU gave them all they could handle. Like that game was fun as hell to watch in the second half. But this team keeps winning. They got the swagger. And as you said. They made free throws down the stretch. They made a ton of clutch free throws because there was a lot of moments in that game, Chris, where K-State made a layup. Hey, let's go foul. Let's make them earn it. Yeah, yeah. And this dude off the bench who was a senior, like their oldest guy on the team, goes to the free throw line, goes four for four, doesn't even bat an eye, didn't even didn't, – the ball barely even touched the rim. So it does yeah. take some credit when you're trying to make those clutch free throws down the stretch, and they nailed them all. So since 1984 – 
just to talk about Noel in this game. 30 and 10 games in the NCAA tournament since 84. Billy Donovan at Providence against UAB 1987. Gary Payton at Oregon State against Evansville, so obviously a, an early round opponent, 1989. And then Anderson Hunt. Part of that UNLV team against Loyola Marymount when they were, uh, you know, a highly ranked program, 1990. So basically since 1990, no one's got 30 points and 10 assists in the tournament. Just a little appreciation for that. But um, now it's funny, Kansas State is now, this is from John Rostein, has now lost three straight Elite Eight games against opponents from non-power conferences. We had Butler in 2010. Loyola, Chicago, 2018, and now, um, you know, Florida Atlantic. Uh, so it's it's kind of funny how that worked out. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, like you said, it, Florida Atlantic really showing. It's funny. We, we talked, to, we, like, at the beginning uh, in the January, at the beginning of our show, uh, we had, like, a list of six power, non-power, and Gonzaga's not in that, by the way, because, yes, we know – We've complained about their conference, but they're not a – I still look at them as a power conference or a power team just because they're in a yeah. power. You know what I mean? But Florida Atlantic was mentioned, and I kept hearing people talk about them, and I watched some of their games and stuff. But, you know, we were focused more, you know, on the Mountain West because it was a better – you know, it had, you know, higher seats. Um, and it just better – you know, it had ranked teams. It was better, more competitive conference. And, um, but Florida Atlantic was just sitting there. They were what, 33 and three or so, or 31 and three coming into the tournament or some shit like that. Yeah. And, yep. um, they didn't, they beat Florida, um, who was okay this year. They weren't the Florida team that we, we, you know, come to know or whatever. They're once your dad's Florida team or anything like that. And, uh, it's just, you know, I got to give them credit. I didn't see this one coming because, um, I just didn't, one, see them enough, and two, usually you would have gotten a big win or two in the non-conference, you know, i.e. Gonzaga, to make them think, okay, this is a real-ass team here. You know, they, they, had a, they had a good win. They had a pretty mediocre loss where you're like, huh. Um, like I said, their conference, it is what it is, but they uh, they definitely superseded anything we could have thought. I mean, I didn't see this coming. Whatsoever, and uh, yeah, man, that was uh, that was a really good game that they just kind of kept K State away, and all that defense at the end, not to be able to get a shot off. We saw that a couple of times this whole tournament, but these last few days of the tournament, to not even get a shot off or a quality shot off when you have time to do it, that says something about their defense as well. Um, now Sunday. We had some damn good games. Um, Texas, Miami, now Texas. You know, I'm not going to say they're exactly like UCLA because I think UCLA is a better team. But, you know, missing their big at this time frame and also kind of a gimpier player here, um, the, the guard, it was rough. It was rough for them. Um, now, Miami had a center uh, hurt near the end of the season, but he did manage to come back. And sometimes you don't know how they're going to come back, just like that Sasser from uh, Houston where you're like, well, they're back, but uh, I don't know. Um, Anthony Edwards came back last night, and he didn't look good. You know what I mean? He was also sick during the week, so I think it was more of that off his ankle injury. But Texas, like, to me, they had, you know, it was 45 to 37 at half. To me, it really looked like they were going to – I didn't think they were going to run away with it, Marshall. But for a second there, it felt like, man, they're really playing damn good. Um, And it kind of looked like they were going to win this game. Uh, Even five, six minutes into the the second half, 62-49 to after a made three. A lot of, you know, kind of – if you look even at the stat line, a lot of turnovers, a lot of missed shots, offensive rebound, missed shots, turnovers. Uh, but then somehow, some way, Miami just, you know, grinded their way back. I mean, they were still down eight points pretty deep into this game. But it seems like 
you could look down or go to the bathroom and come back up and you're like, oh, shit, it's a tie game. You know, like, what, how the hell did all this happen? And then it was still a competitive way down the stretch, but we just talked about it, especially Jordan Miller, free throws, you know, making big shots, making the free throws. Uh, that was big, and that basically summed up the game. Um, Miami, the non, you know, basketball program as far as elite. Uh, people know them, of course, you know, as the Hurricanes football-wise. Uh, they shot 59% from the damn you know, field, and they only took eight three-point shots, dude. That's what blows me away, Um, whereas Texas shot the ball for 40%. That's something we've said. Their outside shooting has been struggling, something they kind of were getting together uh, later. But the the amount of falls that Texas, 23 to 14, um, and 28 to 32 on the line. So you're shooting damn near 60% from the field. You're only taking eight threes, and you shot 87.5 from the line. I mean, that, that's impressive stuff. All that tells me is that's like a fundamental good-ass team with a great coach. Like, Larry Nega doesn't get the hype, but I was literally texting my dad. I'm like, because he was asking me about Miami, I think. On, no, but Miami just bought their team. That's what everybody's saying now. It has nothing to do with coaching. You know, because no team gets good players, right? <laughs> like, come on. He he was asking me Friday about when they were playing Houston. I was like, just – I said, just watch out. Like, this – Larry is a great coach. This guy consistently contends in the ACC again with Carolina, Duke, Virginia, everyone every year. This is a good-ass team. And you beat Houston, who Vegas had power-rated the best team in the tournament. I know uh, NCAA put uh, Alabama, but Houston was the number one team in Vegas's mind. So you knocked and them they out were by top three or four the whole year. Yes, and you beat them by fourteen, and then you beat Texas, who was pretty much a top twelve team the whole season. And you were down twelve in the uh, midway through the second half. Well, not early in the second half, and as my co-host said, didn't flinch, and they went on like they went on like a quick seven zero run. And I, I literally, I, I live bet them. I'm like, okay, this team was down 12, now they're down five. And I was like, there's no way they're going to let Texas go back on a run on them. And that defense locked in. Again, Miami's guard play, I'm not sure if these guys are NBA players, but their guard play is elite. When you watch this team play, I, whether it was in the regular season against Duke or in the tournament, like this team, they handle the ball. They take care of the ball. They make a ton of free throws, like, and, and you can tell they know how to run an offense because they don't jack up threes. Like, I, I've seen kind of a common theme of, like, from social media this year of, man, teams suck shooting three ball this year in college basketball. Well, some some teams run great offenses. Some teams jack up threes like crazy. And I suppose you can still run a good offense, jack up a lot of threes. But as as you said, Chris, they hit two threes last game, and they beat a very well-rounded Texas team. That means you either have well, a great offense and you have really good guards that handle the ball. And all that combined, and the, they, Texas did call that timeout when they were up five, and pretty soon it was a tied game. And for a, a handful of minutes, it was kind of like, you make a basket, we'll make a basket. And next thing you know, Miami's up five, and when you make free throws down the stretch, you can do the foul game, but the foul game only helps you if the other team misses free throws. And Miami doesn't, so... Hey, uh, tip of the cap. I did see a couple people who like on Twitter that bet them to win their region. Those were some very, very nice odds. Um, very yeah. nice odds. I wish I should have joined in on that party because damn, but, um, as, as much to say, I'm a little bit surprised that Florida Atlantic, that's because again, they don't get the national exposure to tell me that, okay, this Miami team won the region. Were they the favorites? No, but am I shocked? No, because they they their roster is as good. Like you just they're the they're the team that kind of gets swept under the rug a little bit because they're not a, a blue blood in the AACC. But when you watch them play again, much like FAU, guards are good. They don't they they don't they I guess. But it's just a solid fundamental team. There's no weakness. They take care of the shit and you make free throws. Much like Florida Atlantic, free throws this time of the year is huge. There's a lot of games for that free throws cost the team. Uh, they make their free throws, and 
just hats off. That was a great win. And I wish I would have bet them. I, I, yeah, I think they're, uh, around like 30 to one to win the tournament. And I think them to win the region was like, uh, anywhere from nine or 12 to one. So that was a, a very juicy price. And for the game that was played yesterday <clears throat> before Miami, Texas, that was Creighton, San Diego State. Um, I did go on this podcast about six weeks ago and say, hey, I got Creighton going Final Four. And <clears throat> it wasn't a bad pick. I mean, it didn't occur, but it, it wasn't a, like Creighton. They did their part. But, again, tip of the cap to defense. Kind of been the theme of the show today for this FAU in Miami. Uh, San Diego State's defense in the second half buckled down. <clears throat> um, you could say this is like lack of NBA talent, which could be true. But man, for the first 10 minutes of the second half of that San Diego State Creighton game, it was like brick city. Neither team could score. But that is more of San Diego State's game. Like Creighton, I know they're a decent defensive team, but they, they like to get up in the 70s, 80s and like, you know, outshoot you. There was no outshooting. Creighton went literally almost ice cold for the whole second half, but they, they, they were holding their own. And this was kind of a neck and neck game. I was going to say, cause they had a seven point lead with 13 minutes left. They, 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 you're right. They did. And then San Diego state really kind of buckled down and said, Hey, w- forget about this. We're, we're going to make you really earn these buckets. Um, the three ball, which had benefited crates in the whole year disappeared. I think they hit one three in the second half. And that was, again, tip of the cap to Nego State because this is what Creighton excelled on the whole season. They, they murdered Princeton in the game before that from three point line. But, uh, San Diego State locked down three point line. Uh, Kalkbrenner, who was a great center for Creighton all year, like he was getting shoved around. He wasn't strong enough with San Diego State's post. And this game came down to, Wait, and, and I guess I am biased on Creighton, but this, okay, so this was a, a tied game at the very end. It went back and forth all day. Okay. Now, and again, this, uh, a, a point I saw on Twitter, which is a fair point. So Creighton had committed five fouls in the game and, uh, they chose to foul San Diego State, who appeared to be dribbling the clock out. They want to take the last shot. I believe there was like, a two-second shot clock differential. So San Diego State crosses half court 20 seconds to go and just starts dribbling. Okay, hey, let's get her for last shot. Again, they do not appear to be in the mood to call a timeout. So what does Creighton do? They choose to foul. It's that, hey, we can waste a foul. Maybe this will ruin their mojo. Well, they did that with like 6.7 to go. But the downfall of that was you let them drop a play. So Creighton chooses the foul. That was their fifth foul. Now they would be in the bonus after this. Creighton fouls. San Diego State calls a timeout. San Diego State then proceeds to drop a play, which was kind of like a – they passed the ball from that like the sideline of the court, and they kind of did like kind of a, a two back-to-back screens. And with the back-to-back screens, the San Diego State guards able to drive into the lane and get fouled by Creighton with, like, 1.2 seconds left. Now, that, there's a fall at seven seconds left, too. But Well, that, well that's, what, that's what I'm saying. That's what led to the draw play, which, again, probably wasn't the smartest thing to do because you, with fouling with seven seconds to go, you, you – It was game. I know, but I'm Down saying – by one. That, it, it was weird. They, yeah, they, they didn't necessarily have to waste the foul. Like, okay, obviously they could pull up a shot, but – that that committing to choose the foul in a tied game backfired on them. Especially that late into it, because they hit that layup to tie the game with 32 seconds left. The foul was at seven seconds. Yeah, so why they did that, I don't know, but they probably regret it. So they did foul seven seconds to go. San Diego State draws an inbound sideline play up, which was an effective play. It was like kind of like a double high screen. And they drive into the lane. They do get fouled. Um I do think the foul that they called with 1.2 seconds left was a ticky-tack foul. Like, that's one of those things where as a ref, like, okay, the guy did put his hand on his hip, but his other hand didn't hit him. Like, Well, I the other hand hit the hand after he shot it. Oh, he got I, his hip. The, the, when you see the back angle, the ref's right there for one, 
He grabbed his hip, and it, after the ball released, you know, you can't touch the hand. And technically, it touched the hand, too. Oh, okay. I, I, I missed. I, I thought that he just had the hand on the hip. I was like, Either way, though, it. you can see the ref right there. You can't put oh. a hand on the hip anymore and yeah, hold it that, the whole time. That is true. So that the hand does go on the hip. <clears throat> San Diego State goes to the line with uh, two free throws. The first one he bricks. He's probably nervous, but you know, slows down the breathing, regains composure, yeah. makes the second. Uh, Creighton had no chance of. Uh, I mean, they uh, they drew up some. I mean, you, you just chucked it, it for a prayer line. and it, nothing happened. It was happened. a full court alley oop. They needed to do the. They needed to get at that long white dude and let him do a skyhook Leitner style. But uh, you know, either way, it would have been a miracle. So yeah, so hey, uh, I missed it, but hey, to, uh, again. San Diego State, you, you, again, your conference got laughed at. Now you're in the final force. So that shuts people up. But hey, this was their type of game, Chris. The the final score, fifty seven to fifty six. You locked in. You played really good defense. And I think the Achilles heel, which we talked about kind of throughout the year, Creighton, their, their players probably got their their stars probably got tired because they had no bench all year. Like they didn't get tried, yeah, they got zero points off the bench. <clears throat> Any time in the tournament when they made a sub, I was like, oh, I think it was like number five who I thought was a joke. Like, they, their, their, sub, their bench players weren't that good. It was like, like they, when Luca used to go to the bench before Kyrie, where you're like, oh, boy, this is going to be ugly. Yeah, we yeah. used to have with KG all the time. You're like, all right, guess we can only sim for three minutes. you got to get it back in the game, you know. So, yeah, you're playing a physical, tough team. Kalkbrenner got bodied around down low. The, the stars got tired. The three points weren't going in. And, hey, a, 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 again, a full round of applause to San Diego State because, again, are they offensively gifted? No. But unlike Tennessee, who we said was a great defensive team, San Diego State made the Final Four. It, when, when, you, when you lock down the second half, that's kind of been a common theme, especially for Florida Atlantic and San Diego State. They've been very good Second half teams, their defenses have stepped up. And again, if we're going to give the um, uh, those teams credit, part of it's got to be the coaching too. Whatever San Diego State and FAU are doing during their halftime speeches, adjustments, maybe the players, maybe they're deeper teams. But that second half mojo, Chris, is probably a combination of, I mean, maybe a little bit of lady luck, but skill, uh, deeper bench, and just, hey, that defensive grind that some teams have more than others. Yeah, and, you know, we were highlighting the Mountain West all year, and uh, here we are. The, the the team that won that, you know, conference is, is, in the, is in the big dance, okay? They're in the Final Four, which brings us to three more games that will break down. Obviously, we're not going to go too deep into the finals because we don't know who's going to be there, so we're not going to break down uh, it super in-depth. Of, we're just going to give our picks of who's going to win it. But obviously, we do know the two games. And we'll start with the mid-majors, FAU versus San Diego State. This is basically a pick'em type game. Um, now, according to ESPN Analytics, 57.6 chance that they'll win it. But when you look at Vegas, it's a pick'em game. Two-point spread, 132 is the, uh, the over-under. Um, clearly, FAU has a advantage on offense like you've been mentioning not which is san diego state but other teams uh you know defense is on the side of san diego state that's not to say you know florida atlantic can't um you know do their thing um i would say alabama's the best win uh, out of all these teams um you know coming into it anyway um just because like you said alabama's the number one overall seed um this is just going to be, like, I think, what was the over under 132? Yeah. Uh, man, that's kind of interesting. Uh, man, Vegas is, like, you want to knee-jerk and be like, oh, that'll go over. But then, because they do have a week of, uh, or, yeah, damn near a week of practice um, in, in scouting and all that. And you're thinking, man, San Diego State is not known for their offense, as we know. But, man, I don't know. I I wonder if this – do you feel like this game's going to be played like in the 60s, uh, high 60s, low 70s, uh, maybe even, you know, low 60s? Well, what's your vibe on this one? I like San Diego State. I'm going to pick them, but this is a pick-em type game right here, man. 
it's really about a couple of different things and, and what who shows up that day and who hits certain shots down the stretch. I don't see a one-sided 17-point victory for either side. I'm with you there. Um, I would, if I had to bet, I would take the under. I do think that, because, hell, I think, like, the the Florida Atlantic-Memphis game was, like, 155, and that game will, like, finish in the sixth. Like, that, that you know, people, oh, the, right. the both teams love to run. Well, again, Florida Atlantic does love Trump. They're also great defensively. They're kind of, they're kind of a hard team to over under cap, kind of like Texas was this year. But I do think the fact that Florida Atlantic is playing San Diego State, who obviously is athletic and can run against Bama, like both these teams have shown they can run, but I think both enjoy the fact that they have lockdown defenses and you're putting them against each other. It's the final four game. It's going to, you know, I think all of this to me leads up to like maybe a first half under, maybe the game going under. Like if you that San Diego State Creighton game, that second half was like literally you call it bad offense, and there is, but I mean, and part of it is there's maybe not some NBA guys that can automatically get buckets, but these teams are like elite defensively. And again, Florida Atlantic, you were able to lock down K State, who had been on like a heater, and they had like almost a five minute drought in the second half. So I do I would lean towards the under. So I guess he like a low sixty to sixty type game. And I'm actually going to take Florida Atlantic. I think that their offense is just a bit of a, a, a variance. I do think they will be able to run and get threes off a little bit. And I think San Diego State's run comes to that. So I would take Florida Atlantic plus the two. I think they've just, I don't know, they've just looked slightly better to me. Like slightly. I just, something about me and this team, I'm like, huh, I'm going to keep picking y'all. So I'll take Florida Atlantic to win like 64-62, and that stays under the over-under 132, and again, kind of at the pace they both want to play. So, man, this should be a, a really fun game. Maybe it won't be, like, high-flying, maybe too flashy, because these teams, right. again, they specialize in defense, but it should be a very fun, close, competitive game. First game to six, or first team to 60 or 65 or something like that? Yeah, yeah, it, yes, I, I would agree with that entirely, yeah. So I'll take the FAU Owls, uh, in case you forgot, uh, Lane Kiffin coached football there for a while. So, yeah, uh, I got FAU Owls going to the championship and he game. sure didn't do what this guy's done with the basketball program. So that really tells you what that, – I'm glad that you brought that up because that really tells you a lot about this guy and what he hasn't done. That's the key thing that you should focus on is what he hasn't done um, rather than him just putting his hands up in the air and, oh, it's a touchdown. I got a touchdown. Okay, anyway, um, now the other game, UConn, who's been on, you know, on some Freddy Cougar type shit and Jason type stuff, just just keeps grinding. And, And when you start to add it up, yes, they had that bad stretch, no doubt. And, you know, they weren't losing to horrible teams or anything like that. Uh, they lost like three. They lost like five out of six games or something like that. But you're talking about, you know, at Marquette, at Providence, at Xavier. You know what I mean? Shit like that. And they were coming off of beating Alabama, by the way, you know, in the non-conference. So, and now, I mean, besides that Marquette game that they, they lost, in the, you know, but that was only by a point uh, or two points or something like that. It was really close. Um, You know, it's really – it's tough to pick against them. I think Miami's a a damn good club. Um, And I'm glad that you brought up coaching. Like, obviously, we got to bring up coaching anybody in the Final Four now, right? But I'm glad that – I don't know. There's just been – it's the combination of, like, the players should get paid. But, man, they're just buying a team. Well, which one fucking is it, dude? You know? So what was the difference between because if you look at Miami, they're they their their boosters sucked. They they're nothing good. If you look at the facilities prior to this last decade, their facilities sucked. Um they didn't they, they didn't have they didn't have a lot of support for the program, whereas you see these other programs, you know. They've had support for years, so it's funny. You had all this support and facility and fan base and stadium, on-campus stadium, and all this stuff for, 
I'm talking decades upon decades upon decades, right? Especially in college football. And then all of a sudden that goes away for like eight teams and it gets a little more evened out, right? And then it's like, oh, this is bullshit, dude. Well, you always had the advantage before. Now you don't, and that's kind of what, you know, pissed me off about some of the, the, the coaches, even in college basketball. Well, of course, we've seen it more in college football with Saban out there making up lies and shit that, you know, the, the quarterback for uh, Jackson State got a million-dollar deal when if you look at their budget, it, he didn't get a million dollars. It was a complete falsehood. Um, but, you know, I think it's just bullshit. It's like, which one is it? So it was okay. You know, college sports has never been fair, dude, ever. So it, it just kind of it, – it's like it takes away credit from the kids and it takes away credit from the coaches. Um, and like I said, I don't cheer for Miami basketball. Okay, so I'm not. I'm, I just I've heard a lot of that lately, and it's just kind of funny uh, when when all of a sudden the advantages come out eagerly. That said, though, honestly, I just think the depth of the opponents all year long, from start to finish. Um, I don't think they're going to win by 28 or some shit like that, what they've been winning. I do think, actually, this will be a tight game because, God, you just – what was their uh, what was their round of 32 game? How bad did they – what was the score on that one? I forgot. Wasn't that well, – uh, they, they smoked uh, Arkansas and then they smoked Gonzaga. Not saying round of 32. 7 to 55. Oh. 70 to 55. Oh, okay. oh, yeah, same areas, yeah. So – that was a pretty clean win. I guess a quality club. Um, I, so I'm not looking for them to, like, win by 25 or anything. But it's hard not to favor UConn right now. Um, they yeah. just got the five going. And even look at it, dude. They're averaging basically as many points as Miami, who's been scoring a lot. Shit, they scored 89 against a good Texas club. Um, but they're giving up less than 60 points a game in this tournament. So – I it's it just it's kind of like what you said. I'm gonna pick. I'm gonna keep picking FAU. I'm not sure how far you picked them, but just in general now, I'm kind of that way with UConn. Um, I don't think they're gonna devour anybody uh, in this one, but I do I do see them winning, and I do see them winning this whole thing. Well, and speaking of Coach Hurley, okay, so they played Iona against Patino, who's a great coach. They were down at half Iona. They won 87-63. They were up one against St. Mary's at half, one by 15. Arkansas, they torched them in the second half. Gonzaga, they literally put the foot on the throat. This team in the second half, talking about coaches and Coach Hurley, if you want to talk about halftime adjustments, the, the plus-minus ratio of UConn in the second half has to be probably over 70. I mean, th- this team, whatever he has said at halftime, has been an absolute just, like, game changer. And that goes to depth. Um, it goes to the fact they have a big in Snogo, who is one of the best bigs in the country. I'm not sure if that will translate to the NBA, but that dude can handle the ball outside the perimeter. He can shoot threes, and he's a beast down low. And you have that kind of that UConn biggies kind of guard swag, and they have some guys that just shoot threes. This is just a really well-rounded team. I do think that the point spread is a bit – a bit over the top for, well, God, I'm going to say I'm looking like a fool when they win by 20. But I think you Miami is a very good fundamental team. It wouldn't surprise me, Chris, if the point spread was in, in, in play late. Like Miami's down like six or seven or eight, and they got to hit a three at the buzzer to cover. Like I think they can sneak in the back door to That's cover. That's a good way to put it, yeah. Because they're, they're, they're also a very fundamentally well-coached team. But – I do think UConn is the better team. I would bet like UConn money line, um, but I'm with, I'm with I don't see UConn losing. And again, their second half they've been murdering. Well, hell, they, yeah, this I mean 24. Hell, their first two games, their point spread differential of the second half was 38 points. And they've been and on it, this run for I a mean, while. It, and and know. yeah, and this is a team who yeah, you're right. They they've uh, hell in one of the best conferences in the in the country. They up until they did they did lose the uh, they did lose to Marquette by two in the Big East tournament, but prior to that yeah. they'd won six Which games in a, a row. And then yeah, so they finished the Big East to tie this together. 
They finished the Big East winning nine of their last 11 games. So they had their midseason funk. They won nine of nine of 11 going to the tournament, and they've just been murdering people. And, again, you have a couple of guys that are spot-up three-point shooters, just very good guard play, and a big that can play outside of the three-point line. That That's a, a bitch of a team to defend. <laughs> so I'm with you. I will take UConn to win, but I wouldn't mind betting Miami five-and-a-half because I could easily see them covering – Sure. In, in like a lose by eight, nine, or ten range. It's and usually least, why I don't bet that much on basketball for that exact reason. <laughs> because this <laughs> worthless three will yep. fucking land, and you're like, "Are you kidding me, dude? They had they had a ten point lead the whole time, you know." And then I know. Oh, I'm going to hit a couple threes, you know. So that leads me to, um, for me, UConn FAU, and my my FAU prediction will come to an end. I do think they've had a hell of a year. I think they make the national championship, but I this UConn team, they're on a heater, um, and the Big East is going to cut down. Did you pick them to the Final Four last week? No, I'm just saying oh. I, I just bet them this past weekend. No, I, I didn't. Well, no, I was like, I'm you just, keep saying the pick them. When did you pick them oh, this far? I, I'm, I'm oh, I, 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 I picked them in a one little money against K-State. So, But, no. Um, yeah, I think that they, they make it there. But again, that that Russian guy. If we're talking just matchups like that snow goal against that Russian guy at FAU has that that dude, he ain't stopping them. And like you want to jack threes the UConn, they'll go three for three with you. Cool. You want to run? Cool. You want to slow down? Cool. This UConn team is just they're just too damn good right now. So I don't I don't think they lose this. I, I got UConn cutting down the nets, and I believe that. Gives so are you- we gonna do the Monday show after the game? How do you want to do this? Because that's what we got to figure out. Yeah, that that would work out for me. Yeah. Okay, let's let's plan on that. Why don't you shut us down here, sir? Sure. And on that note, uh, hopefully we have at least one good game on Saturday. Um, it, it's been a very very great tournament to enjoy, and hopefully we get spoiled with two great games on Saturday. So until then, uh, the boys are out. Hope you have a great week. Stay safe. Be back next week. Peace. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.